This is 105.9 The Region with your stories. The good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is Good to Hear. I'm Glenn Perkins. This next story on Good to Hear will have you summer dreaming. Next summer, that is. There is a new kind of rapid transit coming to travelers who want to go between Niagara and Toronto. To explain is Chris Morgan, founder and chief executive officer at Hoverlink Ontario. Chris, welcome. Thank you. Uh, pleasure to be here. Tell us about this new way to travel. Well, you know, I think it's a genesis of, of a traditional platform that we've brought up to spec and, and you know, designed to, to handle Lake Ontario 12 months of the year and you know, move passengers reliably. Some people call it a game changer. She can carry 180 passengers and, and move you from between Toronto and, and the Niagara region, a 30 minutes total trip. Uh, and then we have shuttle buses, electric shuttle buses on either end to get you to your location if you don't have friends or or other you know, walking locations that are close to where we come in. So, yeah, it's been 11 years of work. Chris, this is radio. Just describe what a hovercraft is and, and what it looks like. Okay. A hovercraft is, looks very similar to like a speedboat and barge with a big inflated skirt that goes all the way around. And what happens when the skirt inflates, the craft lifts off the surface and the actual skirt sits about an inch off uh, the surface, be it ice, water, land. And then the propulsion props, the thrust props, they push her forward and uh, that's how she moves and uh, manages different routes and, and different expectations. And I think part of the biggest genesis in this was, you know, the, the, the eco-friendly side of the engines, You're using tier three engines, 98% uh, CO2 emissions removed from the, from the exhaust, and as well, the sound envelope. We've got her down to very uh, similar decibel readings as a dishwasher. And what does this hovercraft look like? I think she looks... Uh, somewhat sleek she's not too big and boxy there's a cockpit in the front that's got sloped windows and i think when i was talking to uh, one mayor in the region they was like wow that thing looks really futuristic and i was like okay i think what happens when you're staring at the force for so long the futuristic part wears off and that's just you know the way the craft looks but uh yeah i mean if you want to see the craft and the video footage of her uh, she is on our website at uh hoverlinkontario.com one issue that people will ask about is safety. Are there any yeah. safety concerns? No, we're, we're, I think, uh, you know, I say this to nauseam to my kids as they grew up, one of the three most important things, safety, safety, safety. I think this craft has been used in a different, slightly different form uh, used by the Canadian Coast Guard to actually save and rescue people and the U.S. Coast Guard uh, in different waters uh, on the West Coast and the East Coast and, and up in the Arctic. She's very safe. She's very uh, reliable, dependable. I mean, we're using Rolls-Royce engines, which are, are very strong and, and purposeful and, and managing that piece. And then it's just your safety protocols and you have to you know, follow those to the letter. And, and we've got a great team of experts uh, involved in hovercraft systems and, and travel that have come on board, some with 19 to 20 years plus experience in engineering, design and operations. How many people will be able to travel at one time? 180 people per craft and there's two craft in play. And how long is the trip? Is it shorter than uh, a drive along the QEW? Yes. Well, depending where you start, uh, but 30, it's 30 minutes. If you are leaving uh, St. Catharines and wanted to get to uh, downtown Toronto, that could be an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes, sometimes longer, maybe over two hours if there's a little congestion or weather. But this is reliably 30 minutes to point. And 
again, uh, with our electric shuttle buses that can take you the routes to, you know, in Toronto, we'll take you to Billy Bishop Airport. It's all free. It's part of the uh, travel experience. And Or you can go to Union Station, Royal York Hotel, or just, uh, you know, go to a Live Nation event or a BMO Field event, be it soccer, uh, the Argos, and, and even to a hockey game. So I think that's important. And then on the other side, you come if you want to go visit Niagara Lake. I've been working with Lord Mayor Betty DeSero on, on routes there to support uh, uh, tourist flow and people that need to be there. And same with Jim Diodati in, in Niagara Falls and Walter Sensick, the mayor of St. Catherine. So we've worked links that have services into their cities. So you have the contacts either end of the trip. Where are the pickup and drop-off locations? Okay, so the, the pickup the pick and drop-off locations will be located in Toronto, in Ontario Place, as we move closer to a launch date of the actual craft. We'll be working with all the folks there to make sure that we're in the safest place uh, possible because, again, as I said, it's about safety. And in, in the Niagara region, we're just near where Port Weller is in the Welland Canal and the Claw. We're uh, out on the West Claw, about 500, uh, 500 feet uh, just north of the water treatment facility plant there. So, and, and that's part of, again, our community engagement that we work with the communities to see how we can best serve the community in this process. And, and I think that was the, one of the, the major factors of, of why we, we went this route, less disruptive. What are the costs per passenger? Uh, so our marketing team has worked through a return trip. So a return trip would be anywhere from 50 to $60. Again, if you're taking a single trip, it would be 25 to 30 We're also working on packages for a number of different travel times or actually for uh, students and uh, different promotional packages. So as we march further forward in the next coming months, we will be adding those you know, sound bites to, uh, to media information. And when is it going to begin? Uh, we're looking for the summer of 2023. We're not 100% sure on whether it's the beginning, middle, or end, only because I think what we've learned from COVID, and everyone can attest to this, is that supply chain has been interrupted, but it's slowly getting better. So not getting too far ahead of ourselves. I just, you know, we'll have a better understanding as we, as we move through, you know, every two or three months. Uh, as to, to how we meet those commitments. Most importantly, when the, when the craft do arrive, we're going to take about a month to do open water testing, to test all our safety protocols, uh, test that, and, they, and even may have a day where we invite the public to ride for free, but we ask that you make a donation to the local community charity. Uh, Michael Pinball Clemens, who's uh, on our board and, and very engaged, one of the first people I ever spoke to about this, actually the first person I spoke to about this project after two years, uh, having his, his tutelage in, in, in that area is is important to us and how we be part of the community moving forward. This service will be 365 days of the year? Yes, sir. It was certified by uh, Transport Canada Agency in 2015. Uh, the craft is certified to cross. You need that certification to cross Lake Ontario 12 months of the year because they know more than anyone what the weather is like and what the capability is of the craft. Well, I'm just thinking what a selfie moment it would be scooting across Lake Ontario in the dead of winter. You know, and I had a couple of people actually, and glad you said it, they said, imagine the sight line coming into the city of Toronto and seeing the skyline that close. And again, in, in, as the seasons change color, and particularly even uh, when you get out to Niagara, you know, all the trees and the shoreline as well, all, all the different colors. How can people secure a spot on the hovercraft? Uh, our marketing team has done a, a, you know, a, a booking system and a tap and go on seamless. The idea is to be on an app system. So it allows people to reserve a look, spot if they need it. So if you're going to a concert at Live Nation, and you want to be sure you catch the last one out, you can book it as a post and then tap and go. And there might be some seating left for you know people on the fly, tap and go, but that'll be up to our marketing and IT team to define the right system. And as well, what that system, how that system integrates with other transit suppliers in the region, because we want to work with people. I, I was asked today 
a very point, oh, who are your competitors? And I said, I didn't really look at this as we had competitors. I just thought we were a, an, an additional option for rapid transit to people who travel the Golden Horseshoe region, whether you're a tourist, a commuter, uh, just family want to visit or even students. So, you know, whatever your purpose to move back and forth, it's just an option for you. Chris, where can we find more information? You can go to our website. Uh, it's hoverlinkontario.com. And uh, then we'll also be feeding more updates. We have other locations to talk about, but those are different phases. And we just want to get the first model and, and, you know, the route going, and then we'll branch out. And we'll let those locations talk to their excitement level of what it means to their community as well. Chris Morgan, founder and chief executive officer of Hoverlink Ontario. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Have a good day. Stay safe. I'm Glenn Perkins. This is Good to Hear on 105.9 The Region. Good to hear. This is the good news. Coming up on Saturday, October the 1st, is something really cool. Budo Without Borders, an international martial arts symposium hosted in Aurora Newmarket, including instructors, international instructors from New Zealand and Okinawa, Japan, to talk more about it. Thrilled to be joined by Sensei Stephen Arms, who's the founder and chief instructor of Shoshinakan Martial Arts in Aurora and the chair of Budo Without Borders. Steve, how are you? I'm great, Jim. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. I mean, this is fascinating. I know martial arts is such a big deal in Newmarket Aurora in York region, but to get instructors from Okinawa, from New Zealand for an event like this, it's quite a coup. How did you come about this? Well, it's funny. I mean, I've been very fortunate over about the last 10 years or so to host a couple of uh, instructors, including my own sensei from Okinawa. But this seminar was a little bit different in that during the course of the pandemic, so many of us ended up having to teach our local students using Zoom and, and, you know, meetings and things like that, that we ultimately kind of extended that out and started building more bridges to international instructors. And the fellow who's coming from New Zealand, uh, Sensei Tuari Dawson, was one of those people that I met during the pandemic. Um, he's a well-known podcaster in the, in the martial arts community. And we just struck up a friendship, and, and I ended up appearing on his podcast And we talked an awful lot about how martial arts really is a way of building bridges and and breaking down barriers, not just between martial artists, but really as a way of getting better understanding amongst people and promoting that understanding amongst people. And Tuari, being an indigenous elder in New Zealand, is obviously very involved not just in the Okinawan arts that I train as well, but in his indigenous Maori arts. And I've been teaching in, in Cuba for the last few years. I have a couple of dojos down in Cuba that are part of my organization. And we get talking about how wouldn't it be great to have an opportunity to introduce indigenous Maori martial arts, not as, as trying to change the way people are training here, but as a better understanding of how much we all share in common. And we talked about it for a while and it was like, yeah, we should really do this. Yeah, we should. Okay, let's do it. So back in July, we actually made the decision that Tawari was going to come and, and teach. And we decided strategically to really have it at the same time as Truth and Reconciliation mm. Day mm. here in Canada. Uh, the Maori community in uh, New Zealand has been on the same path that we, you know, that we're walking here with our Indigenous people, and in fact, a little bit farther ahead. Uh, some of the Canadian Indigenous policies are actually based on things that have already been done in New Zealand. And his family and his wife were very involved in it. So we really saw that there was a great synergy. And it was about more than just trying to introduce people to the martial arts. It was about getting people to realize how much more we share in common than separate us as martial artists, as people, as countries. Overall, just as human beings, that we really are very, very similar and that our similarities and the things that we share are so much greater than the things that separate us. 
And to be able to bring that to York Region and, and through the tremendous cooperation we've had with the local Indigenous community who embraced it and said, this is fantastic. We'd love to have one of our Indigenous brothers come and join us. We've really brought it together as, as a celebration of the things that we share in common. And Tawari is going to be participating in a number of events uh, around Truth and Reconciliation Day, as well as we're including the local Indigenous community in our event on the 1st. And with regard to, to Sensei James, who's coming from Okinawa, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, James is originally from Great Britain. He uh, moved to Okinawa about 20 years ago. And he ran a place called the Dojo Bar, uh, which unfortunately had to close during the pandemic. But it was kind of the central hub for all of us when we went to Okinawa. Hmm. And we're actually bringing James in to, to teach some karate and some weaponry, some kabuto. But we're also bringing back the spirit of the Dojo Bar uh, and having a dojo bar themed uh, reception afterwards where we're actually bringing things from Okinawa here. We're bringing Okinawan food from one of the great restaurants in downtown Toronto. And we're going to bring that spirit of we all share so much more in common than separates us at this event. See, what I love about this, Steve, is uh, I know there's all these studies by psychologists and uh, childhood educators who worry about the youth being not active enough and spending too much time in front of video games and computers. And and to get this to uh, physical education, spiritual education, just learning about the world is so important for our youth. That's why I'm a big fan of this and such a great concept. Definitely. And I mean, I have a 14-year-old son who he's trained with me for 10 years, but, you know, he has the most active thumbs in the world as well. It's getting him <laughs> to put down the controller and get off the sofa sometimes. And I think seeing the abilities uh, that exist in our cultures to get people involved and get active and to learn more about our past and other people's past and how much we share in common. Um, one of the most interesting things I found on my most recent trip to Cuba back in May with our students was listening to the parents down there who said, oh my gosh, during COVID, our kids, now that we have decent speed internet, all they want to do is game. Hmm. And it's getting them back out to be active, whether it's martial arts or soccer or, or baseball, obviously, which are all big down there. Um, that's a challenge. And I think these types of things that have multiple layers, you know, I, I look at it like an onion. The more layers there are, you peel back and the more fascinating it becomes. It's all part of Budo Without Borders taking place Saturday, October the 1st from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Brad Jones Karate, which is on Main Street in Newmarket. Thrilled to be joined by Sensei Stephen Arms, the founder and chief instructor at his own martial arts dojo in Aurora and the chair of Budo Without Borders. Uh, you can get uh, all the details. You can phone them to get more details at 416-579-7723. Uh, the, the one thing I love about this as well is even as a sensei, even as someone, a martial artist at your level, the one thing I find fascinating about the, the whole concept of the martial arts and Bruce Lee talked about, you never stop learning. No, exactly. And, and, and funnily enough, our dojo's name, Shoshin Ken, means the house of the beginner's mind. Oh. And I took that from a, a book uh, written by a famous Zen, uh, Zen sensei, Roshi uh, Suzuki. And the exact quote that triggered me to, to call our dojo Shoshin Ken is, it says, in the beginner's mind, there are infinite possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are very few. Uh, yeah. so we always want to have that beginner's mind every day, whether it's, you know, learning things in the kitchen to cook, which I definitely need help with. <laughs> but... Every day when we go out there, and I, I'm excited to be, you know, a, a new white belt, uh, especially at this seminar, and to learn so much from uh, from some of my dear friends, but also people who are experts in, in arts I've never had an exposure to. 
you know, the one thing that amazes me about the martial arts, Steve, is so many people have this misconception that it's it's fighting, it's combat sports. But I've had a lot of friends who have had teenage sons and daughters who were struggling uh, mentally or their education and got into the martial arts and it turned their life around. To me, it's that sense of self, that sense of, of focus and purpose that's more important than any punching or kicking. Oh, exactly. And, and I mean, if we look back to, you know, Okinawa is the home of karate. That's where karate came from. And from Okinawa, it spread to Japan and the rest of the world. But in Okinawa, the concept of karate is if I can look after myself and my family, that allows me to be free and open to be compassionate and loving to others. And so, and especially oneself too, sometimes as we saw through COVID, self-care was so important as well. And I, you know, personally in my, in my 27 years in the martial arts, I can tell you most definitely it's contributed to preserving and, and enhancing my physical health as well as my mental and spiritual health. And I think as much as it's fun to see movies that depict karate, you know, as a tournament sport and everything, karate is a practice. It's much like meditation or yoga. And the more you put into it on a regular basis, the more you get back from it. Yeah. And it's also, it's sort of, I guess it separates some of the myth you see in movies and action movies, what the martial arts is really all about, which is rarely depicted properly in movies. I, Sensei Steve, I think this is a fantastic initiative. Saturday, October the 1st, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Brad Jones Karate, Main Street and New Market. If people want to attend, can they just show up at, at the dojo and just check it out? Definitely. It would be better because we're expecting a huge attendance. It would okay. be great if people would reach out to me, um, you know, as you said, at 416-579-7723. Uh, I just want to make sure that uh, everyone who shows up, that we don't have people who are disappointed. Uh, we will be also broadcasting it uh, worldwide. One of the things I'm most excited about in, in this particular case is, of all the seminars I've done, this seminar has more people coming from varied places. Hmm. 50% of our people coming who have never attended one of our seminars before. But we've got people coming from California, oh. from Seattle, Washington, from Vancouver, Chicago, New Jersey, Rhode Island. One fellow is trying to come from Iceland. Um, so we're, we're really excited about that. And then we've just announced because of the, the excitement, people want us to, to broadcast it. We're going to simulcast it via Zoom as well. Oh, okay. That's what I was just going to ask. So it's going to be now, um, can people go to a website to get the link or how will they get the link to watch that live if they can't attend? Uh, to participate in the seminar, there's uh, a fee associated, but we will be putting some out on our Facebook um, channel as well, which will be free. So uh, I'll, I'll have further details, and if people are interested, they can certainly reach out to me. I'm happy to provide that, or I can get it to you as well to, to let your listeners know. Indeed. Sensei Steve, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for making a difference in the region through the martial arts. It's uh, greatly appreciated and uh, desperately needed. Uh, greatly appreciated, and all the best, and good luck. Thanks so much, Jim. Hope you can make it out that day as well. Good to hear. We'll be right back on 105.9 The Region. Listen live at 1059theregion.com or 105.9 FM. This is 1059 The Region with your stories, the good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is Good to Hear. I'm Shaliza Bacchus, and our next story on Good to Hear comes from a very talented, a multi-talented artist, I should say. Canadian-Italian songwriter Dia is currently on the road in Milan. That's right, Milano, Italy. And she joins me now to tell us all about her single, Limonata. How are you, Dia? Hello, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. And let me just say, we are, we're chatting over Zoom right now, and the scene where you are is absolutely beautiful right now. 
it is stunning. Milano, so Milano. It's absolutely beautiful. So if you want to see what I'm talking about, make sure you check out our social media pages at 105.9 The Region. Like, trust me, you're going to want to see it. So what have you been up to? First of all, how is it going in Milano? Amazing. I arrived yesterday by, you know, not receiving any of my checked luggage. <laughs> it's been great. So you're basically living off of one outfit. Pretty much. I did a little <laughs> bit of shopping today, which was so hard. Let me tell you. To oh, have to shop I can here imagine. Just... The pain of having to shop in Milano. Oh, How? my goodness. <laughs> Congratulations on all your success. First of all, Limonata is a tune. Let me just say. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so proud of it. It's it's a fun one. That's for sure. It's definitely something to dance to. Yes, that's something you should be proud of. Now, can we backtrack a little bit? I just want to talk about where you got your start in music. You've got so many musical connections in your family. Yes. So I was born into a musical family from my grandparents to my parents to us. My brother and I are both involved in music and music's always been a huge part of our lives. That's amazing. Forever. And your brother, your brother works with you pretty closely as well. Yes, he does. He's always been my right-hand man when it comes to uh, a lot of songwriting and guitar and performing live. And um, this particular song, actually, he was involved. He played guitar on it. Um, and I was working with another producer as well named Casey Bondar. And it's been just so much fun. Everything just feels like magic. It just works so easy with all of us. It's a great team. You are also a very well-versed person in like every language possible. Like when I say you can speak a few <laughs> languages, I feel like that that doesn't describe it. How many languages can you speak and sing in? I can speak in three and a half. I count Spanish as a half because I understand it. I understand Portuguese, but I speak Italian, English, and some French. I sing in 32 languages. I'm sorry, say, say that one more time. How many? <laughs> 32. 32. Okay. Oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> and I have a question, though. Don't you ever get mixed up between languages? You know what? When I'm speaking, absolutely. And it really depends on where I am. Like right now, I'm, I've been thinking in Italian for a little while. So speaking English is a little bit strange. But yeah, sometimes or even mixing Italian and Spanish, if I'm traveling in a Spanish speaking country, they're so similar. So finding the words and sometimes, yeah, it can be confusing sometimes. <laughs> and, and this single Limonata, it is uh, sung in Italian partially. And uh, would you yeah. ever want to make like another version, maybe in another language, like not even English? That is actually exactly the plan. I hope to do I hit it you're, spot on. you're on it. You're on this girl. You have to join the team. I will press you for too much more information then. If it's a little bit of a secret. You can see it. <laughs> and uh, tell me a little bit about the songwriting process and the creative process behind the single. Sure. So for this song, it's kind of funny. I visited Italy last year for the first time ever. And it was a life-changing experience. And I truly had the most incredible time. I landed here in Milano in the beginning went all the way to the south and east to west and I met the most incredible people. I traveled by myself. It was spiritual. It was beautiful. And when I was in the Amalfi Coast, I was so inspired by the presence of lemons and I love lemons. I just felt this urge to write a song that's kind of zesty and fun. And it's funny because there's a little bit of a play on words and people who speak Italian, mostly from Italy, it is kind of a slang word. Limonata is a lemon drink. Limonare is a slang word for passionately kissing. I mentioned a lot of kissing in there and it's cute, but realistically, the lyrics kind of came out all at once. The song kind of wrote itself. I was so inspired and everything just 
worked. It's something when inspiration hits and it just feels right, that it's the most pleasurable experience to have something in your mind that just flows and works in the end. So I'm, I'm really happy about that for sure. Spoken like a true professional songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of the Amalfi Coast, you also, did you also film the video there? Parts of it, yes. There are parts of it included in there. And some of it was filmed in Toronto as well in a secret villa location. No, it was a pool. I definitely used a lot of my footage that I took myself. And that's actually all found in my vlogs on my YouTube channel because I vlogged my entire trip, the entire almost two months. So there are 24 episodes available on my YouTube channel to kind of see what an experience it was to visit Italy for the first time alone. Uh, with no expectations and no itinerary. It was pretty crazy. That's amazing. You are so brave for doing that. that but sometimes like trips like hey. that are, are the ones that turn out to be the best ones, right? Absolutely. And you know, eat, eat, pray, love. It was eat, pray, eat, 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 eat. <laughs> Why don't you tell me about what's up next for you? Are you traveling more? Are you going to be making more music? Yes. Yeah, so I'll be releasing some new tracks in the near future that we have been preparing. And I'm really excited for that as well. Um, a book coming. Actually, this is the first time I'm mentioning it. But Exciting. Yes, I'm so excited. So I write poetry. I'm an avid poetry writer as well, which kind of connects with the whole lyric thing. And I'm really excited to let that out. But that's very personal. And I'm nervous about that because it's the most deepest parts of my soul. All right. Well, we are definitely excited to hear that. And we wish you nothing but the best of luck in your future endeavors. We can't wait till you are back home in Toronto in York Region. But until then, enjoy yourself in Italy. Thank you, Dia. Thank you so much. Send us your good news stories at info at 1059theregion.com. This is good to hear.